Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Raptors or Everything Podcast. My name is Amit Man. Thank you for tuning in. Please do rate, review, subscribe. And on YouTube, like, subscribe there as well. Lots of fun content coming on that platform over the next few weeks, especially with uh, us now working with Chris Boucher. If you haven't heard, Hustle Play, check it out. We have a new episode coming out in a few weeks or next week. Yeah, next week. And we have one out already. If you haven't seen it, Chris is a really fun guy. Learned a lot about him. Interesting cat. Um, thought he would be very sheltered, very kind of secluded and kind of, uh, I guess, a little bit quiet. But then all of a sudden, this personality came out that I haven't seen. And I'm sure you haven't seen either. Actually, Katie, have you listened to the podcast huh? a little bit? I have watched. Yeah, I watched clips of it. I watched nice. clips of it because I saw it going around a ton. Um, yeah, he's super chatty. He is. He loves swearing, which was cool. <laughs> That was one of the uh, stipulations, actually, that he wanted to be able to be himself because apparently he just, he's a swearer. He likes doing it. And what I, I will give him credit for, he, that he does it kind of tastefully. Like, it's not just for the heck of it. It's usually to mm-hmm. emphasize something. So, I mean, anyways, for people who have kids, maybe you don't want to listen to it when they're in the car or something like that. But uh, anyways, he was great. Uh, so with Katie Heindel, um, I was supposed to talk to you last week and mm-hmm. to paraphrase, you pretty much said, Amit, I don't have time for your ass because I'm too busy. So what were you busy? I'm joking. What were you busy doing? Well, the, there's a couple of things I can't name yet because they're still in the process, but I was busy. Um, I interviewed uh, Jimmy Butler uh, about mm. our well, about amongst other things, but our very own and very beloved, I guess he's not our own anymore. Kyle he's Lowry. Still, no, 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 he's still, he's still, he's still. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. he's like historically going to be our own. Um, I spoke with Ricky Williams, ex NFL player, Ricky Williams, uh, about cannabis and mental health, um, and his new brand, uh, his new cannabis brand, which is really cool. Uh, both of those stories are on dime. Uh, I interviewed Sterling Brown, who currently plays for the Mavs, but played for the Bucks. Uh, about we talked about the Wildcat strike that he led in the Orlando bubble. Uh, we talked about his mm. own court case against the Milwaukee police in the city of Milwaukee when oh, man, he was. That was uh, rough. Yeah, yeah that was, was like an extremely violent, awful, uh, like terrible incident. But he opened up about it, and we just talked about how he's found activism kind of again and again in his life. Though he hasn't yeah. necessarily ever seen himself as an activist, it's something he's he finds himself coming back to. Uh, that's on the Daily Beast. Um, yeah, and the other things I can't. That's there, okay. There are more. There's more to come. Yes, <laughs> but that Love was just Jesus. last week. Yeah. <laughs> Love the Jesus. So yeah, Katie was very busy last week. That's why we didn't chat. Um, the Jimmy Butler piece, all of them, I guess, are, are out that you just mentioned, but the Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. one was posted yesterday. So if you want to hear a little bit more about our groat, Kyle Lowry, uh, check it out. Because, uh, I mean, 
We love Kyle. I miss him. We all miss him. He had a big stop the other day in the game against Brooklyn where a late game situation and he was denying Kyrie from the ball and Kyle came up with the steal and won it for them. And I mean, you just got, got the feels like, oh, Kyle, look at him doing that. Look at him winning games in the clutch, not scoring a lot, but becoming like a huge factor in the game. That's Kyle. So check that piece out. But with Katie today, we're going to talk a little Raptors, obviously. Why wouldn't we? Raptors over everything. Um, the Pelicans game last night and just a confidence check on a couple of different subjects, one being Pascal, OG, uh, the bench, and whether the Raptors will finish in the top six, because it's looking a little bit more dicey now after the trade deadline. But first, Katie, your thoughts on the Pelicans game. Wasn't it fun? Right? <laughs> it was it was fun. I have to be honest, like that the trade deadline did shake the Pels up, I think, in a good way for them that they like a needed and necessary way. Um, what I think actually happened in that game though, was just the new Orleans got out ahead of the Raptors and the Raptors couldn't really make it up. Um, which whatever they're tired, you know, they've been, they've been playing tired. Uh, it was, a you know, they were on the road. They'd had a, a string of like pretty great, but very close performances as has been kind of the, um, name of the game this year. So I, it was enjoyable. Like it was a fun game to watch. Um, there are highlights here and there, but, uh, I don't know. I, again, like I, this is very, probably very boring for people, but like my overall sense is still just like, take the good as a bonus in like a developmental year. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape, uh, about a loss like that. You know, I'm, you, you still got like guys kind of getting back to a hundred percent, like the rosters just like, as, as we said before, it's a work in progress all season long. It's going to stay that way. Um, it's, I don't think it is worth dissecting losses maybe in the way we once did in previous seasons. The mm-hmm. season because things are going to be up and down, but then they went on a, Eight game win streak, nine game win streak, and all of a sudden, oh, okay, well, that's a that's a different story. Um, yeah, the tempering was, went out the window. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then the trade deadline comes, and you see what Brooklyn and Philly did, and that trade has really shaken up the Eastern Conference. And now I'm back to where I was. I'm like, okay, so those teams are going all in. They need to try and win titles this season. And both of those teams, they're a little bit on the bubble, I would say. I mean, the the, the Nets are because you know Katie has been out. They've been they lost like eight, nine games in a row. Um, now we also learned why maybe some of that stuff happened. James Harden mm-hmm. kind of just dipped mentally, physically, all that. Um, and then with the 76ers, they just didn't look complete, right? They looked like a team that was still a, a piece short. And I thought that was going to be in the end, like their demise at some point. I mean, Joel Embiid is ridiculous, but they needed more from their roster. They needed to make a, a change and the trade happened. And now they got James Harden. He's lost 10 pounds in six seconds. Ben Simmons seems like he's going to be back in the rotation at some point. And yeah, both those teams look like they're going to be pretty, pretty scary. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, all that in mind, yeah, I probably taken a few steps back uh, mentally on like my expectations for the Raptors, but this still is a very fun year. Last night, it's one of those games. There's a theory out there. It's like you have 10 games in a season where you're you're not going to win because you just don't have it. 10 games mm-hmm. where you're going to win because you just have everything. And then the other 62 is where you kind of figure out your season. And I think last time was one of those games. They just didn't have it. Eight assists total. 
lowest output from any team <laughs> this entire year. Eight assists. <laughs> Holy smokes. I made the unwise decision. I mean, it wasn't unwise because I think I, at the time it seemed to make sense. But I've been gambling quite a bit lately, Katie. And mm-hmm. I lost some money last night. I got to say, I lost some money. Yep. I had a couple of bets going. One was for Fred to get at least 20 points. And he did before he unfortunately left the game. And I needed uh, JV to get a double-double. And JV didn't get a double-double. He had 16 and 9. 16 and 9. And he didn't end up playing as many minutes as he normally does because it was a blowout. And I had Pascal Siakam getting at least 26.5 total between his points and assists. And he had done that in eight of his previous nine games. And I'm like, well, the Pelicans, I mean, they're like, Pascal loves playing them. Matchup is very favorable. I'm going to do it. Put a lot of money on it. No point. Money's gone. It's gone. Oh, no. It's gone. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my struggle at the moment. I got to find ways to make up some money in my Bet365 account. But that's my problem. There are other problems in the world. The Raptors have some, have some of those too. But uh, I guess... We can pivot away from the Pelicans game because it was what it was. I mean, hopefully they they come yeah. back against the Deeper Wolves and they have a, a better effort. Um, Chris facing Chris Finch. I wonder how that's going to go because I think he has a pretty good idea with the Raptors run on both sides of the ball. So how's that going to go? How's that going to factor into it? I'm curious. And Timberwolves are playing well too, but it would be unfortunate they to are. go on a three game losing streak heading into the All Star break because the Raptors aren't going to play for ten game or ten days after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think like the Raptors overall are more um, tactically competent team than the Wolves are at this point. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, like they should win that game. Yeah. You know, uh, they've had, you know, they've had a bit of a break now. Um, I think they also do this thing where they like, they like to have a rebound after a sort of embarrassing loss. Right. I think there's oh, like yeah. a lot of, a lot of pride, a lot of pride on the line in that sense. Um, but the wolves are tough in that they're like, they're also kind of on a little bit of a heater. Sure. I think they're finally understanding like what it is that they can do together. Um, but you know, if we look to the Raptors, great, it's eight game streak there. Um, there's more, there's much They They're like bringing much more basically to the match, to the floor yeah. in that sense. So don't get too worried, but I also think that Fred Van Vliet wants a win on his way to All-Star. Yeah, and uh, Nick Nurse did say, just so we all know, that Fred could have went back in the game yesterday, but it became Mm -hmm. so lopsided, he's like, never mind. But Fred did say at halftime that, hey, coach, just so you know, not feeling too great. We're going to test this out. And then he went out there and he hit like two threes back to back. So maybe he's okay, but he has been struggling with the, with the groin a little bit. And I think yesterday mm-hmm. was more of a knee thing, but there could be correlations when you're, when it comes to like, you know, body types, you're compensating because of an injury. So that kind of stuff does happen, but hopefully Fred's okay. I'm sure him, like a lot of other Raptor starters could definitely use a little bit of a break and we're going to get into that in a second, but that young, he made his debut yesterday, Katie. Um, I guess, what was your initial thoughts on the trade? Were you as lukewarm on it as a lot of people were? Because I was excited about it, personally. I think it's great. I mean, yeah. what else were you realistically hoping that, you know, Toronto was, it, and it, and like, you know, Bobby Webster said as much, they were in conversations for some larger trades. Maltrano. But, yeah. <laughs> but from, you you but wouldn't from say it, Le- but it was Maltrano. 
<laughs> but from looking at, um, you know, that win streak and how they were performing, it obviously didn't seem as urgent. Plus, like, what would you have to give up to get a player like Miles? I'm a Miles Turner fan, but like, you're not going to give up any of the core players this season because yeah. realistically, where are you targeting to get? you know, in the postseason, this is not a championship year. I really appreciated Bobby kind of just coming out and saying it. I know maybe it breaks a lot of Raptors fans hearts, but just to be like, they have to be realistic. Like they're running mm-hmm. a team. Uh, they're running a business, right. And they're investing in its longevity. Yeah. But I think on that note, like that is a great player. Like that is a player that I have thought for years would be a good, just like kind of casual, yeah. good addition, right? Like yeah. it's just a solid get. And like, they said as much too, right? Like he's someone who's been uh, in the conversations for seasons. It's just the situation was never quite right. Um, I'm really out on the argument of this is all we got quote. Like this is all we got for Kyle Lowry. It's like, yeah, I mean, we didn't have to get anything for Kyle Lowry. Stop. Like that's not how that contract worked, you know? And if it can come back like full circle with a player like that, I think it's great. Like, I just, I guess I went into it again, just the boring, I'm just the boring barometer of like this season, but like I went into the deadline, not really thinking the Raptors were going to make or should have made, I would have been more alarmed if they did make a big move. So for me, for like their expectations and what they want to do, that's a great get. And he's a great player. He's a great guy good like veteran presence who's Mm. actually a presence he's actually around uh the team you know he's like very technically sound he's super skilled like he he's going to fill a deficit on the floor that they need right now and he can do that right away sure and i I love fred's comment when he was asked about it you hear that he was asked Mm -hmm. about uh (laughs) i was a little surprised honestly can you say what can you say what it was first the comment he he was just he was like it's nice to have a vet around who's like around or something like that. Right. He, he said that he was asked a about locker the room presence. He yeah. said about the trade. He's like, yeah, I mean, in the end, uh, the guy that he was traded for was at home. And so yes. we're gaining a player now. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, Look that's on the bright side. it's Look true. On the bright side. <laughs> he didn't have to word it that way, but he chose to, he's a very smart mm-hmm. guy. So he, mm-hmm. when he says something, he means it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, yes, they did not need to get anything for for uh, for Goran Dragic necessarily because you know it was just kind of it is what it was. Um, it didn't really fit. He wasn't in the plans. Actually, it's funny that Goran and Thadik had similar scenarios with their respective teams. Uh, the Spurs went young, and that that's why that didn't work into the rotation. He was taken out. He's only played, I believe, he was only entered a game three times since uh, mm-hmm. the beginning of January. And Goron, obviously, we know what happened there. The Raptors said, all right, we're going to give anyone backup point guard minutes. We're going to go with Delano Banton or uh, Malachi Flynn, or right now, I guess, Pascal and Scotty. So it just didn't work out. Um, back to the Kyle Lowry thing. Yeah, it didn't matter. If we got something for him, that's great. Um, but like the bigger picture is that you just, you didn't want to damage that relationship because Kyle is Kyle. He's the best player in franchise history and damaging that relationship would probably do more harm than good, not just mm-hmm. your team, but league wide, the perception that you are trying, that you want players and, and other franchises to have of you is that you are built on character and trust. And that took a bit of a hit with the DeMar DeRozan thing. And so treating Kyle Lowry really well was imperative. They could not mess that up. And both parties agreed to work 
something out. He wanted to go to Miami. It worked out. Presta Chua. We'll get to him in a second, but he is a young player who's got a lot to learn, but there's certainly some upside there. And now you got Thad Young, who I think is probably going to stick around this this team, this franchise past this season. His contract right now, like he's making a lot of money, but I don't think Thad is banking on making similar money um, in, for the years to come because he's just not that player anymore. And um, he's not going to be paid that way. But his excitement about joining the Raptors and how he, he was saying that, you know, Bobby and Masai were telling me how excited they were for years to try and get me and that they really mm-hmm. wanted him within the franchise. Like, this was a guy who just really wanted to play basketball. You could hear it in his voice, how hurt he was that he was just sitting on the bench and now being in a situation now where he's probably going to have like a more vocal role, a leadership role. He's going to play minutes. Um, there's a lot to like about it. And just touching on, I guess, the game itself, he only played 12 minutes, but what were your thoughts on those 12 minutes? Although it was blip. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like the best showcase game uh, no. to come in on. <laughs> No, it right. Wasn't. No. Um, but like, I, there's, you know, again, there's really nothing. He's a player where, like, you're not going to get the sense of him immediately right away. It's going to be like a cumulative thing over time. You know what I mean? So, again, I'm not really sweating. Well, I'm not sweating at all the addition. Uh, I think he will get it really quickly. You know, it always takes just like, it can take kind of a bad game. But if it just sure. takes one bad game to then have a string of like good, uh, competent, like excellent games, then that's fine. Sometimes you got to learn a uh, ugly lesson and then you'll never do it again. Yeah. And I appreciated him yesterday saying that the difficulty with learning the Raptor system is that because they are so positionless, you have to learn every position. Yeah. That could be really tricky, especially for a player. I mean, he's a pretty heady guy. Basketball IQ is through the roof. That's why the Raptors have wanted him for so many years. Um, but that can be challenging. And, you know, him going out there again, only playing his, I guess, fourth game this year, also factoring in like he was been just pretty much in school, in class the past couple of days since he became a Raptor, trying to learn the system and learn multiple positions. I thought it was pretty good. And, you know, he was, he's kind of, a, he's, Without even knowing, he's been a fit for years on the Raptors mm-hmm. because of his size, um, able to guard on the perimeter. I love his screen and rolling ability. He's mastered the art of the moving screen, which is something that can't be dismissed. It's a very, it's a very technical thing that you got to be able to do it properly. But um, some big men can do it, and he knows how to do it. He rolls really well. He passes out of screen and rolls really well. His activity without the ball, yeah. offensive rebounding, like all the this passing. stuff is very good. Yeah, yeah, right. that's what I was gonna say. It's like outlet passing. His passing is just like. It's good. And it's like that boring little stuff that like will, you know, that can turn a game around and that we've yeah. seen, you know, like we've seen that happen. I was going to say too, to your point of him being in school, uh, it's interesting because it's almost like I imagine for him who didn't, yeah, he wasn't getting that many minutes on the Spurs, but mm-hmm. you're still integrated into that system. It yeah. would almost be like tossing out one very intense textbook for another, right? To go from like almost extremely position oriented to positionless right like that's got to be a little bit of a head like a head trip so yeah give him a couple of games to catch up Mm. he's very i think he's a very intelligent player uh he'll he'll be able to pick it up pretty quick yeah, I, I would agree. And I think that's going to happen. Um, he was the hustle man of the year in 2020, 2021. So 
he certainly fits the Raptors mold in, in that way. And then the previous four years, he was also top five in that voting. If anyone, I feel like I, I made a highlight reel of his plays yesterday and I posted it on my Twitter. If you can find it at Amit underscore man. And I felt like I was making a low light reel as a joke because I was like focusing on like these weird things like, oh, look at this pass out of the double team. Look at this offensive rebound. Look at this turnover that happened because of him. But it was actually, it, it was telling that how smart he is on the court. And I think he's going to be, a great player for the Raptors. We're going to get to him in the bench in a second, but moving on to some of the other confidence check questions. Mm-hmm. Katie, number mm-hmm. one, Pascal Siakam may or may not be an all-star. We got to find out if Zach Levine is going to be going to the game. And if he doesn't go, then all of a sudden Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, one of those guys is probably going to get a call because I think they're up next in the pecking order um, to make, uh, to be a replacement player. But outside of that, Past 15 games from what we've seen from him, 24 points, 53% shooting, 38% from three, nine rebounds, five assists. Holy smokes. Is this the guy that we can expect for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think so. I think he's shown that because this yeah. is a lot like his velocity wise and his gameplay is just kind of um, expanding, you know, and just like mm. speeding up game over game over game. Like there are some sequences when you watch him and this is even just like the more subtle stuff, but he's like cutting through defenses, you know, like a hot knife in butter. Like it's like nothing to him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like aside yeah. from the shooting, aside from the scoring, like there's just some, the way that he's moving around and the confidence that he has on the floor. Like that's just to me, such a key difference than what we've seen in him. And the fact that he's like, kind of having a laugh about it. Cause I think someone asked him like what it was like to, you know, be getting all this attention. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm used to getting it for other <laughs> reasons. So it's nice, yeah. which like breaks your heart a little bit, but you're also, you know, I'm glad that he sees that too, but I'm also glad that kind of stuff is not weighing too heavily on his shoulders. You know, he's taking it in stride. Um, and I think that's probably something that he hadn't really been able to toggle in and out of in past seasons mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know, like his own reasons. But um, I think he's just playing with like such an added depth and like foresight of the game, you know, and um, that understanding is pretty crucial because I also think his position now is like a tandem leader with Fred. Um, it's also a different kind of pressure and a different kind of way that he's going to be forced to like sit back and see the game this season. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's a stretch by any means to see this is what we're going to see from him. I think it just took, it took what it took to get here. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that sounds simplified, but like you wouldn't be getting this Pascal if you didn't have, you know, the more struggling kind of plateaus that we saw last season. So yeah, man, I think this this is the Pascal here to stay. Ooh-wee. I am with you. I think this is the guy that we're going to be seeing for this year and years to come. Um, Masai Jiri had his availability a couple of days ago, and it's always a always a fun time listening to him speak about the franchise, the state of it. You always feel like they're in a much better spot. Not that they're in a bad spot because they're in a pretty good spot franchise franchise wide but he he kind of just gave an idea of like what the conversations are within the franchise and mm-hmm. how they're viewing this season and how proud they are of the growth of all these players and how they're how invested they are in watching them grow and then when they got to make a strike as in a Marcus All trade or something like that they're going to do it but it's just not going to be this year but um Masai said that he felt like Pascal 
started looking like Pascal again. It was last season, actually. It was after he got COVID and mm-hmm. he lost a bunch of weight. And Pascal, I mean, it's not the way you want to find out, but Pascal himself back then said that he feels like he's a little bit lighter. And before he was a bit heavier because he put on a lot of muscle um, during the preseason or leading him into uh, last season. And maybe that just wasn't right for him. Maybe he just lost a bit of his mojo, a bit of his flexibility, and he kind of lost his speed. And his speed is really a huge part of his game. Chris mm-hmm. Boucher said it on Hustle Play too, is that he just wasn't moving the way that I'm used to seeing him move. And now he's back to that and that he's realized, and this is part of his maturation as a player, understanding what kind of player he's going to be because he started playing basketball so late in his career is that he had to figure out, you know, what kind of player is he going to be? What is my ideal weight? LeBron James, like he's gone through all kinds of different scales as a player. He went, he went bulky, he went huge. He became a freight train and now he got like kind of skinny. Now he's still huge, obviously, but he lost a lot of weight because he realized that this is how I'm going to be most effective. Players go through these up and down ups and downs because uh, you don't know until you try it. They're all trying to get become the best versions of themselves. And you just don't know what that is until you try some things mm-hmm. out. Um, so I, I was thrilled to see. I'm thrilled to see all of that. Like now he's he's so athletic on the court. He seems like he's the fastest guy. And he's uh, when it comes to you know distance ran on both ends over the last 15 games, he's top five in both. You're just seeing he's absolutely everywhere. And there were times last season where he was like invisible. He just didn't look like Pascal anymore. Now you see him on the court because how engaged she is on both ends. So I'm, I'm thrilled to see that. And even if, you know, the jump shots are going in and out or whatever, um, his effort and his Mm -hmm. energy is there. And that is the key to his game. I was going to say just quickly on the note, on that note of just, um, training, you know, like that is something that I don't think is considered enough, uh, not just like what is right for a player and then figuring that out by trial and error, but also leak trends, right. And like Mm. the pressure around a certain type of training and a certain type of body almost being in vogue or like more popular or more lucrative, like it's so gross to say this, but thereby more lucrative in terms of how that will be reflected in contracts and what teams are going after. Not as applicable to Pascal because obviously he's locked in, but that, that kind of stuff, like I don't think gets the attention it really needs to, but mm. you look at like a player like Zion, obviously you mentioned LeBron James, Kyle Lowry went through the same thing, you know, like with the Raptors, it's just, it's trial and error, but it is also like what is seen as like <laughs> the dominant mode or like the best kind of shape for guys to be in. Sure. Um, and like, you know, the, the NBA is not impervious to that. Like people say it's a copycat league all the time, just in terms of like plays and the way that, you know, coaching strategies for the most part, but as a copycat league in that sense too, right? A lot of these guys work with the same trainers. They're going to have the same kind of training regimes. They don't necessarily adjust them to each player more on like playing style and position. So that's tough, right? That is tough as an athlete. You have a very finite window. Maybe it's the off season or like building up to training camp to decide what kind of shape you want to be in. Mm -hmm. And then you got to run with what you got because you can't really drastically change it up in the season unless unfortunately you get COVID, which is a crazy (laughs) thing to think as like a physical reset, but obviously for Pascal, it was, um, yeah, just a little food for thought. It's, it's, it's true. And you mentioned Kyle Lowry, like we had our Mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry trivia night a few weeks ago when we thought he was going to be making his return to Toronto and it didn't work Mm -hmm. out. That's now been pushed April 3rd, which it seems like 
because of the rules now in place in Ontario that should be a full capacity building. And that is what we all wanted. We want to see Kyle get celebrated in the right way. But anyways, um, one of the questions that I said on the Kyle Lowry trivia was, it was talking about um, his skinny Lowry season when mm-hmm. he was a completely different person. It was the year where the Raptors, I think they hosted the all-star game. And then after that, he ditched it because he probably realized this isn't the best version of myself. This isn't what I want to be. The skinny version probably, I mean, he had a great year, but you know, the longevity of his career, he probably felt like I'm better off being a little bit more bulky. And keep in mind too, that it took an off season for Kyle to get in that shape. He decided consciously with himself and his trainers that this is what we're going to do this offseason. This is how we're going to make sure that I'm ready for the following season. Seasons afterward, they're saying, that's not it, actually. That's not who I'm going to be. And obviously, he was you know, an all-star for years upon years afterwards. And also, he won a championship. That was the best decision for him. So it's something to keep in mind. It's just kind of going to your point that it, it's not a, a linear process. It kind of goes mm-hmm. ups and down and you have to figure this out as you go, because as you age, you don't know what's the best version of yourself. You have to figure that out. And you know, sports we're science, still figuring it out. Hey, I'm, I'm going, I'm going North. <laughs> I know that <laughs> I'm not going up. I'm going, I'm going down. I can tell you. That. Oh, buddy. Oh, geez. Two kids doesn't help. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Pascal, just moving to a bit more of the X's and O's to some degree, um, I've really enjoyed just his composure when it comes mm-hmm. to reading offenses and uh, reading defenses, what's happening, what's coming at him. He's He seems like he's a lot more comfortable with the uncomfortable. And last season, years prior, he probably wasn't that. He just wasn't ready for that moment. And that's experience. That's him watching film. Not that he wasn't doing it last year, but you have to just be in those situations to know how to encounter them and know how to deal with them. And now he's just, he seems like there's a possession against the Nuggets, I recall, where um, he was at the top of the key. Austin Rivers was guarding him. All five players were looking at him. And he just made a couple of head fakes. He made a few fakes. And then he posted up Austin Rivers really fast and had a little push shot and he hit a bucket. Like little stuff like that he wasn't doing last year, nor, didn't ha- nor did he have like the mid-range jumper, which is probably the biggest change that we've seen in his, his game is he's able to score buckets from further away from the basket which Mm -hmm. sounds silly. Obviously you need that, but he didn't have it. He didn't have the dribble package. He didn't have uh, the ability to hit tough shots that he had, that he has this season. It just wasn't there in in previous years because he was so focused on his spin move. People were, you know, sitting on it, waiting for him to do it. And that went to his detriment. He just wasn't able to orchestrate offense as easily. He is already one of the most heavy uh, isolation players in the NBA, it was by design because the Raptors wanted to get him ready to be that guy. The only way you do it is if you go in there and you make some mistakes. And so he's back to being that heavy usage player in isolation. And you can just see the difference in his comfort um, with just how he's able to make shots happen for himself and for his, his teammates. His passing has been stellar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His maturation overall as a player, I think um, that's something that like, I think it's impossible not to really notice this season. Um, And I think again is unfortunately one of those things that's going to take however long that it takes. And it might be frustrating to watch from home and you're like Mm -hmm. screaming at your TV, what you think this guy should do. Um, But now he's just kind of letting all that stuff roll off his shoulders. But he, again, this all goes back to him, like being that in-game leader and team leader uh, that he's poised to be. I think even the pressure of being that guy, which, you know, that's, that's a narrative I think we've heard over and over as Raptors fans has also shifted to his benefit because 
now there's several guys. Like the Raptors were never designed as a team aside from Kawhi. And even then I would kind of quibble with that just based on how the team was uh, structured. They're not a that guy team, (laughs) which is good to me. That's good because like, it's very easy to shut a that guy team down. Right. Um, But with Toronto, you've got a lot of options. And I think Pascal's shown that, yeah, he can be the first option. He can be the second option, but he's comfortable uh, to move pretty fluidly between those now. Um, and you can just tell that in his game, like really unhurried, you know, making good reads, as you mentioned, um, not getting backed up or like backed off as he might have. Mm-hmm. He was really rushing things. Like, you know, there was a stretch, I think, toward the end of last season. Um, he just couldn't finish anything, you know, yeah, like it was like yeah. the sooner the ball could get out of his hands, he it was like a relief to him. But obviously that they paid the price uh, around the rim for that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think like you saw that in spin moves, he's in just kind of like simple layups, like putbacks, like all that kind of stuff. He just, uh, he could not finish. And now you don't see that anymore, which is nice. Yeah. And his three point shot has come back, which has been a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's around league average, I believe right now of 38% over his last 15 games over the season. I think he's around 35 or so. So, and it's climbing. Um, he's, his three point shot has definitely returned. He's, he's hitting them off the catch. Uh, he's not necessarily hitting them off the dribble as much, but maybe that's going to come. Um, but he's confident in it and he's hitting those shots. And that's really important for a Fred, a Gary, because, you know, one of the issues with the Raptors in their starting lineup, not that they have a lot because it's been really, really good, but as a lineup as a whole is that they just don't have enough three-point shooting. And that was one of the things that a lot of fans wanted at the deadline, get some more shooting on this roster and uh, him becoming that guy, at least a league average person. You got Fred, you got Gary, you got um, OG, you got some shooting now. And Chris Boucher has kind of turned the corner a little bit. They don't want him shooting threes all the time, but you have some shooting at the moment. And I'm sure Thad, um, he wasn't asked to shoot threes in San Antonio, but he can do it at at the very Mm -hmm. least at a league average rate. And he shot one yesterday. So it seems like they're going to let him unlock, uh, (laughs) unleash some, which is going to be important for them. So yeah, they need him to hit those shots just to help space out their offense. And uh, late game situations, it's still a bit of a, they're kind of figuring what they're going to be doing. Um, I feel like the ball does need to be in his hands in one way or another, just because of the array of ways that he can score the ball. And I don't think other players in the starting lineup have the same kind of package. Like you want Fred off the ball. I think you just do because he's such a good shooter. If he has a mismatch. Okay, cool. But then mm-hmm. OG Gary, uh, Scotty, they all have their flaws. Not and I say that loosely, just so that there's they don't there's ways that they can be exposed by a defense or by a particular matchup. But with Pascal, you got a pretty good idea that he's going to get at least a good shot off. And mm-hmm. now that he's making like that really uh, really quick pass, like he did against the Nuggets. Ball didn't go in for Fred, but you got you got a good shot out of it. And I think that's really important. I would have liked to have seen, you know, a different set where it would have been a little more obvious that Pascal's going to take a shot because I think he should have gotten that shot. Like, you know, clear aside, give him space, run some off all actions. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you have some uh, potential shooters come around some screens or something like that. I think that would have been a better route. Um, but then, I mean, the play had just worked. So it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't have anything else to add. I feel like uh, with Pascal, the nice thing about this season um, is that we're seeing a lot of stuff as it comes to him. Yeah. And it's, it's all, it's like predominantly good stuff. So that's good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, That's the Pascal chat. Confidence is high on him. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's all that to say. Confidence is high. Let's move to OG Ananobi um, because I feel like he is a, person at least this season who's been asked to have different levels of usage throughout the year beginning mm-hmm. of the season obviously it was the case because pascal was injured um and then you could say that after pascal came back he was probably the third option but then all of a sudden gary Trent jr averages 23 points over the last 14 games now he's getting a bit more shots and you oh you still got scotty barnes you gotta develop so he's getting his shots and there have been a lot of games you know where og just isn't shooting he's getting like five shots and over his last two games, I, you could say that, you know, maybe this is attributed to uh, being a bit tired because a lot of his shots are flat. He's missed, I counted six layups or dunks <laughs> over the past, uh, over the past two games. Like some of them were just like, how did you miss that, sir? But anyways, um, maybe a little bit tired. I'm sure he's looking for the all-star break <laughs> to rest up and whatnot, but his role, where are you with OG and his role? And are you, do you think he's comfortable in his role on the team? I think he's comfortable, but I also think there's something to be said for like what you mentioned of having to be asked to adjust, right? And like kind of adjust on the fly as needed. Like that I think is more a testament to his flexibility as a player. A lot of players wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but like what what might take a hit from that? Your shooting might take a hit from that. Because if you're at being asked to kind of turn on turn it on and off pretty mm. quickly. Um, he's not as much of like a rhythm shooter, I'd say as Pascal Siakam is, uh, you know, OG has been pretty good at just being able to like make spots in the past, uh, and figure them out. So I don't, I'm not worried or anything that he won't be able to get back to that again, yeah. but I also think, um, it makes sense to me if maybe the shooting has dropped off a little bit, um, uh, because you're just like, okay, now, now the focus is on you know, Gary Trent, Gary's heating up. So you got to take a backseat. I'll wait. Like we still got to, we have like Scotty Barnes in this developmental funnel. So like, we can't, like, he's going to need the ball in his hands. He's going to need like the predominant kind of looks, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. not to say also the team is like 
trading OG uh, as a cast off, but I think when you have a player that's able to um, shoulder the responsibility or maybe the burden, however you want to look at it, of being asked to um, be so flexible, Mm. that's a good thing. But again, I don't think it's the end of the world if he's um, missing a couple. I mean, a missed dunk is always more of like an ego bruiser (laughs) to me than it is like, um, like a clear yeah. cut, you know, example of like yeah. something's really wrong or like this, the, the mechanics are way off. Like it's, I don't really think it's a question of that. Um, yeah, and to your point, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to the break, uh, but it would be good. Like I know in the, I guess I'll go back on something I said in the past, which is just like the resolution of the lineup um, is going to take some time. But I, I, in the past I've said, that's fine, but actually like, if OG's paying the price, I wouldn't mind them resolving it. <laughs> yeah. It's a tricky one, right? Because mm-hmm. you have Gary. I'm not sure if they even realize the score that he he is because it's grown over the course of the season. And it took injuries for them to realize, that, oh, wait, this guy's kind of a microwave. If he's able to stay in rhythm, as in he gets enough shots, he's feeling the ball, mm-hmm. he's touching the ball, which a lot of players need. It's not just Gary. That's why some guys say, I just can't come off the bench because you just have that feel and it's hard to regain it after sitting on the bench for eight minutes. You know, so you need a few possessions and then, oh, wait, now you're checking out because you've done your eight minute stint. You missed three shots, but you made your final two because you got in rhythm. And now your, your stint is over. That stuff mm-hmm. happens in the NBA. And the upside of giving Gary Trent Jr. more shots is higher than OG Ananobi because mm-hmm. Gary just has that, that ability. Like he's a tough shot maker. And with OG um, and also the Raptors overall, like they want to win games. Nick wants to win games. And so if you have Pascal and Fred and Gary, three players who you feel like, okay, if we give them a good matchup, they're going to get a good shot and there's a decent chance it's going to go in. But with OG, it's not necessarily as defined. Yes, I'm sure, you know, if he gets a mismatch, decent shot that is going to go in, he's going to get a good possession out of it. He's a, a good passer. And so there's that. But I just don't think that um, you can sacrifice the looks of those other three guys to appease OG when he's already shown that he can be a good catch and shoot three point shooter. And that's important that the Raptors have that. And then with Scotty, I mean, if anyone's been taking a hit this year, I think it's actually Scotty. Yeah. He's taken a, a good portion of shots and he's averaging, I think around 15 points over his last six games or so, but you could see that he could probably take more. <laughs> he could probably take more and it, it there's a good chance it might go in too. Like he's that good. That's a good problem to have though, right? No, like for sure. It that's is. a really good problem to have. Definitely. Yeah. He's going to, he's, he's ridiculous. And um, I just think that OG is kind of the loser in this. And so you kind of have to look at him and be like, all right, OG, um, no, you're not probably happy about, you know, not getting as many isolation attempts and uh, stuff like that, but could really use you to getting on the offensive glass because that's an area that's really important to us. It's, been, mm-hmm. it's a big part of our offense. They aren't actually a very good half court team. If you're just looking at the points that they orchestrate per play, but if overall they're half court offense, because offensive rebounds are factored into that. Now they get into like kind of the, just outside the top 10 in terms of their half court offense. But if you just factor in, like, are they able to get half court points off of place? They're actually like 25th to 26th this season. I'm sure it's changed since, you know, Gary and Pascal heated up, but like, that's a reality. They, that's, mm-hmm. that was an area that we thought they were going to struggle. And so they have, and you just, you don't have the possessions available to just be like, all right, OG, give it a go against this guy, because sometimes it doesn't look great. Sometimes he does turn the ball over. Sometimes he does dribble the ball off his foot. Sometimes he does air ball. And that's all of a sudden two, three points that are not there anymore. Meanwhile, Fred, Pascal, Gary, they probably would have gotten a better shot off. 
And that's mm-hmm. the facts. So mm-hmm. OG has to accept that. And he's, you know, he's obviously a, a pretty good person. Uh, I don't think he's a selfish guy. I just think that he has to kind of accept and um, really embrace this role. And he will have days where he gets more shots. It's just the nature of the NBA because he's going to have mismatches and defense are going to load up on Pascal, whatever. He's going to get his, his chances and he has to be ready to capitalize. But um, it's a tough one for him because I'm sure he feels like he could do more and he probably could. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. But still, my confidence check, I feel good. Yeah. I mean, his defense has been, <laughs> has been amazing. You should point that yes. out. Like how many yeah. players can go from like, you know, guarding on the perimeter, then guarding Nikola Jokic. Like it's ridiculous what he's been asked to do, but he keeps on doing it. Um, and that's a role that maybe he doesn't want to relish because it's something he's been doing, you know, the past couple of years. He's been very good defensively for a few years now. Offense is probably where he wants to be like, all right, let me do this. But um this, the year hasn't gone that way. And I'm sure Thad Young, you know, if they can make some some chemistry with him. I, I look at Scotty Barnes too, having another you know, playmaker out there who's a big, like, I mean, Thad's like a, a power forward, okay, but he's a very smart player. He's going to help mm-hmm. uh, make things a lot easier on everyone when he's on the court. And so hopefully there's some chemistry there that develops and screen and roll situations. Um, there was a pass the other, even yesterday where uh, Thad found OG for a three. Stuff like that's going to happen. Um, and I guess this is a natural pivot to the bench now. And we will look at the confidence check of the bench because it seems like there are four players that are definitely coming off the bench who are going to play. You have Cam, you have Precious, you have Chris, and now you have Thad. That seems like the four that are going to go. Um, Delano has been getting some four or five minutes, 10 minutes here and there. But I feel like if he continues to miss shots, they're going to go away just like it did for Utah. <laughs> So anyways, your confidence in the bench and if they're going to be able to make things a bit easier on the starters with that there now. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think even just like directionally, when you add that's voice right uh, mm-hmm. to that group, things will get easier because you'll be able to talk those guys through some things where maybe now, especially a player like Delano Benton, like he's figuring a lot of this stuff out in real time right? He doesn't necessarily have the instinct or the feel yet. A player like that does. So he can kind of watch and look and give pointers. I think Kim was, I think the players have said Kim has done that in the past. Mm -hmm. Kim's just been like, you know, having a bad string of luck this season and he's been in and out. So he hasn't been there to see that stuff as consistently. Uh, But I think between the two of them, it'll definitely help out. Um, Yeah. Like Chris Boucher, I wish I could remember. He had a great comment um, a couple of weeks ago. And I think it was just the recognition of like, not that he was playing poorly or, but something clicked for him. Yeah. And there was like a, a, a different kind of self-awareness that he's brought, whether that's like, just maybe not trying to do everything all at once, which was kind of, it could have been the Chris Boucher uh, experience at times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, but like, I am a Utah Watanabe fan. I really want to see him back. But are in... you a stan? Are you a stan of Utah Watanabe? <laughs> no, I'm reasonable. I'm realistic. You know, okay. I got realistic expectations and I feel like to be a stan, maybe you don't have those, but, um, True. I think, I think that even the bench getting more locked in, uh, serves a good purpose for a player like Utah and like a couple of these other guys that are maybe like a little bit deeper uh, mm. on the bench now, because it, it, uh, 
lights a little bit of a fire under them without Nick Nurse having to call them out, which I was not such a fan of at times. Um, but it will clarify, like that kind of clarification will trickle down the roster, right? Yeah. Uh, as things kind of click more into place. So the bench is good, I, I, but I am still of the mind that like, this is not the forever bench. This is the bench of right now. <laughs> yeah. Staying on the bench subject, it's funny that a player like Stanley Johnson, who's criticized publicly by Nick Nurse, and then I guess in private by Messiah um, Jury, as Stanley revealed a few weeks ago, has kind of just ran with the comments saying, "All right, I'm going to I'm going to accept the role that I have. I'm going to become mm-hmm. a better basketball player." That's what Messiah was essentially saying to him: is that you're not a great basketball player when it comes to the X's and O's. You're a talent, but you're not a great basketball player. And the Raptors, that's why that is such a natural fit, is that everyone on the roster, they bring in people who are just very good, heady players. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stanley wasn't there. So that's the nature of why the comment was made. And to his credit, he's kind of uh, carved out a role for himself with the Lakers. They're a mess, but hey, Stanley Johnson, he's making things happen. He's kind of, you know, revitalized his NBA career. And that's awesome to see. With Utah, um, I feel like last season, uh, he was kind of a rare talent with his combination of speed and defense um, and some three-point shooting. But now because of the nature of the team, he's not as rare anymore. And that's kind of why this has happened is that he is still a great defender, but the Raptors have a lot of good defenders. It's been how they've built their roster. And so if you're not producing offensively, if you're not hitting open jumpers, and that was one of the goals that Nick Nurse gave to him at the beginning of the season. I've talked about this before. Is like, you've got to become mm-hmm. a 40% three-point shooter. He hasn't done it. He's been injured. He's been up and down. I understand that, but that's where he has to be to get back in the rotation. Um, because there are too many other players coming off the bench who are at least making a different kind of impact. And that's needed. Like Cam is the big body, right? He's their biggest body. When Joel Embiid comes in, when Nikola Jokic comes in, he's going to play. Pressure the Chua, I, I don't know where he fits. I could see situations where he just doesn't really need to play, but he's a project, mm-hmm. a project that they're, they want to work on. As Masai said, when they signed him, they got him. He said, you're mine, finally. <laughs> Whatever that meant. Um, but Masai was excited about him. And so he's going to continue to get minutes. And Chris Boucher has embraced his inner Dennis Rodman. And I don't think that's going to go away. The comment that you were talking about, I think Chris was kind of saying that I should have been doing this a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah. That's what he was kind of getting at because he just wasn't embracing the role. He wasn't accepting it. Um, And role acceptance, especially as a bench player, especially as just, you know, you're being asked to just be like an energy guy. Not everyone wants to do that. I'm talking with, we're talking about OG Ananobi. He wants more for his offense. A lot of players want more for their offense, but it's not the role that you've been given. So accept this or you're not going to play. It's that simple. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. pretty much like that black and white. Um, with the bench, I think, uh, I think, I think there's something there. I just, I, I, I'm concerned about how much they're going to be able to alleviate the pressure of the starters uh, that's kind of my concern. I don't know if they're going to be able to uh, do it consistently. Um, I think that is going to be a huge factor. I think he could a- end up playing, you know, 25 minutes sometimes because he's that important to the bench production, but are they all going to be able to do it consistently? I'm not, I'm not too sure. I think Chris is here to stay. There's going to be times where Ken's not even going to play because the matchup isn't there and precious. I mean, he's a project man. Like he's got a lot to learn <laughs> and I would, <laughs> there are times where I'm just like, I don't really want to see him play right now. I'd rather just give Delano minutes because Delano, I think you can at least say that he's, he's figuring it out. Like he goes down mm-hmm. to the G league and he gets 25, 10 and five. Like clearly he's too good for that league. So give him some reps to figure out his jumper at the NBA level. There could be some more upside there this season. He can help, he can help you this year, 
Meanwhile, Precious, I, I don't know if he's going to help you this season. And that's where, what is the priority of winning? How far, how much does that matter this year? Right. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a tricky one for me. I mean, the, what I'll say about Delano is that um, it's a different style of NBA of, yeah. of like rather basketball that they play in the G league. Right. It's like, it can sometimes feel like um, it's an audition because it mm-hmm. is an audition a lot of nights, right. For, for these guys. So it is a bit more like ISO style kind of play. So I think where Delano has struggled has actually been in that kind of um, not just playing, like not playmaking in the traditional sense, but just like the team, like being yeah. the team guy and doing what we were saying before of like figuring out what your role is and not being the standout guy. Uh, Cause obviously he has the talent and athleticism. It's just like fine tuning those uh, on a team fit. I mean, I am a precious um, believer. I am, I have seen evidence to the contrary that people <laughs> want to yeah. be critical of him, but I, I really hold to the fact that like when you've come from a team that really boxed you into one specific role and then you've were readily and immediately asked to do a little bit of everything, actually mm-hmm. like a lot, a bit of everything. Um, that's a tough adjustment. That's a really tough adjustment for a player. And I think you've got to yeah. trust people when they tell you things. And I always come back to that quote that he's, when he was talking about Kim uh, helping him out and like pointing mm-hmm. out how to like do, just do one thing, focus on the things that like you can focus on because sometimes that is where pressure struggles, right? Like, you got to focus on one thing and like, learn, learn it. It's like even more so when you're asked to take on a lot of different, like a lot of different roles. Um, and just like the playing style is so different for him. So sure. maybe I am a precious after I said I wasn't a stand, <laughs> maybe I am a precious stand. No, I just think, I just think, you know, it's a lot for a young player to come into a system like that. And he does struggle with like those flashes of wanting to be, the primary like shooter wanting the ball in his hands at all times. And I think a big step for him will be learning when it's actually more beneficial to the team and for him, you know, uh, in the long run to, to get the ball out of his hands, like it's going to be, someone else is going to have the more valuable shot. Someone else is going to have the better look. You don't have to bully your way up, you know, and like to the basket all the time. You don't have to play that style of basketball always. Um, It's great when he can and, it works out, but again, I don't really think that's the way that this roster is built to mm-hmm. play. So it's a, it's growing pains. <laughs> it is. And I, I bet there's another element to this too, where like you say that you want to do things a certain way and you want to, and I believe he does, but then you get in the game and things start going really, really fast. And then you're mm-hmm. kind of, you're, you're yeah. getting back to your natural instincts, which are probably, yeah. to, you know, shoot. Um, handle the ball more than you should. There was a case yesterday, actually, I, I sent a tweet about it where it was like, OG had a block. It was an awesome block. And then now they're running in transition and Precious is running up the sideline with the ball. And it's a three on one, essentially. And Pascal's like, get the ball to the middle of the floor. Give it to me because if you get fouled, all of a sudden our transition points, they're gone. And he didn't, he got fouled. And you saw Scotty and, and Pascal, they're both just like, oh, come on, man. Like get the ball mm-hmm. to the middle of the floor because that was two points there easy to points and they want transition mm-hmm. points and it's stuff like that where he has to do some learning and maybe he's watching some film maybe pascal may have said something to him because he is taking more of a uh, taking on more of a leadership role who knows but 
those kinds of mistakes can end up costing you games in the playoffs. And this is where I get back to how important is winning to the Raptors this year? You know, do they care about, you know, getting a top six spot, which we're going to talk about in a second. Do they care about winning a playoff series to the degree where they're like, we're not going to play these guys because they're not helping us. And we are going to play a Ken Birchmore because Ken, you know, what we're going to get from Ken and you can make a case where Ken should play 25 minutes every game because he's that good. But Mm -hmm. You want to look at, you know, Chris, um, what he's able to do for you on the offensive end. He's there's a bit more of an upside there, I guess. And Thad, similar deal. Like, do you need to play Thad 25 minutes? No, maybe 15 is better, but you might feel like if we want to win this game, we need Thad to play 25 minutes. And those are decisions that Nick, Masai, and Bobby, they're going to have to make. They're going to have to decide mm-hmm. who's going to, once they do shorten the rotation, um, who's going to play those, those minutes. And I'm curious to see what happens. I could, you could see, make a case for both sides, right? Um, that's a tricky one. I wanted to ask you about uh, Scotty Barnes because, as we all know, it's been well publicized that he's playing minutes that he's never played in his NBA career or basketball career. Yeah. Um, this kind of stuff. Like in college, he's well surpassed the amount of minutes he played in college. He's averaging 35 minutes a game. Um, though over his last five games, he's around 30. So I think that's more of the kind of them getting a little bit more healthy and probably the Raptors deciding that we have to get his minutes done because this is not going well. We're kind of, we're not getting the best version of Scotty. And over his last 15 games, his three point percentage has dipped down to 31%, which um, I guess is a little bit more expected because he's not shooting as many as he was earlier on. But um, are you concerned about the amount of minutes that Scotty has played and how he's going to kind of fare over the last stretch of this season? No, because I think you accidentally said it when you said like his NBA career, because it feels like we are at a point now where like we are well beyond this being his first season. Right. You know, Um, he he's just so advanced uh, for a rookie. And I think um, it's I'm actually fine with him like backing off. Like, I don't think he's, he's not going to go backwards, right? His development Mm -hmm. is not going to go backwards. Uh, If that was a concern, which it honestly is for some rookies, maybe it would be more concerning that he's not, you know, um, taking more shots. Uh, He doesn't have the ball in his hands as often, but I think there's different priorities now. I think there's a sense behind the team, especially with like what what Nick Nurse is doing with Scotty is that he knows this is somebody he can rely upon, right? He's, um, you know, to use your term earlier, like, I don't know that he's a microwave, but um, he is someone that I think if you're in a playoff contention, uh, if you're in close games, you can look to Scotty and and kind of expect a certain level of production just off the bat. So I don't really think he's suffering too much because of it. Um, I really, really don't. Uh, I think it actually shows more that like, you know, when you look around the league at like an Evan Mobley or just like some of the other rookies in that class who are, who are shouldering certain responsibilities from their teams uh, that they can't step away from. Scotty is in the, the nice position where the Raptors are in a development year. Again, they really are. I know it doesn't seem like that sometimes, but they really are. Um, And, you know, Scotty has the relative luxury of not having to develop like in a vacuum. You know, he Mm. can kind of step in and out of these roles uh, and he can have the pressure taken off of him at times, which is a nice thing for a a rookie to have, right? Because otherwise, like, like navigating a first season in the NBA is hard enough as is. But when you're like, the solitary scorer for your team. Right. Or like you look at even like someone like Cade, 
like he, Kate, Kate Cunningham, like the way that he plays, like it is all on his shoulders and he's learning how to distribute that a little bit better, but like everything is generative from, of him, like everything in their, their game comes from him. So, um, I think it's, it's like a double-edged sword, right. But where Scotty is, it's, I think it's good. So no, my confidence check on Scotty is just like, I feel like he's right where he's not even right where he should be because he's beyond it but in the sense that like he's right where he should be and that I trust what they're doing. Yeah. He does lead the uh, all the rookie class in minutes per game. He's at 35.5. Mm-hmm. Evan Mobley is second at 34, who's had a again a terrific year. One of those guys is probably going to win rookie of the year. I think it probably will be Mobley just because of roles like we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think I think a person like Thad, we keep on talking about Thad, but this is why he is such a great acquisition is that he's going to learn a lot from him. And also he's going to take some of the pressure off of Scotty when it comes to just minutes, because they do similar things. Yes. Scotty's obviously a lot younger can run a transition better, but offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, guarding multiple positions, guarding, guarding on the perimeter, being a smart passer. Um, the shooting is a little bit up and down with both of them. So you're getting the production from both guys in that area. And then uh, that by default, the probably is probably going to bring his minutes down. And you're mm-hmm. probably going to get a better version of Scotty. And I would, I would like to see him handle the ball a little bit more if we're talking about, you know, um, his development, because that's kind of dipped away as they've gotten healthier for understandable reasons, because Pascal has kind of become the point guard and he's done a great job at it, but that would be a good thing for his development. Just more and more of that, because um, it's kind of dipped away and to his credit, like he's accepted his role as a person who is, a bit more of a screener, a bit more of a roller, a bit more of a guy who's going to sit in the dunker spot and just, you know, relish in opportunities when the matchup is favorable for him, similar to mm-hmm. OG to some degree. But I think Scotty, because of his offensive rebound, he's getting a little bit more shots um, transition to this is just the nature of the rules. Like Scotty's playing center. You want to beat uh, other, the other center down the court. Well, I mean, Pascal's kind of playing center, whoever's playing center. Anyways. Yeah he's in a position where he's going to be trying to beat his check down the court. And he's getting a couple of those buckets, like right off the bat in each game, just finding those mismatches and hitting layups, which has been Mm -hmm. terrific for him, but finding ways to just get him more reps as a ball handler, as a decision maker would be terrific for his development. And the minutes, I think they're going to stabilize as the Raptors get healthier. And with that and, Chris Boucher finding his role, like all the the bench players, essentially, that's kind of like your flex spot is that fifth spot, like OG, uh, Fred, Pascal, Gary, there's no replacement for them, but there is in some senses for, for Scotty. And it's the Mm -hmm. guys that we're talking about, although they're all going to play, but yeah, I think those minutes are going to stabilize for sure. Um, Okay. Final subject. We're going to finish with a real strong one here. And this is uh, a tricky one now, and we'll have to just see where we end up. Will the Raptors finish top six in the East when it's all said and done? What is your confidence in that? How many Nick Nurse guitar strums will you give that one out of 10? That's a bad metric for me. Um, It's a hated (laughs) metric. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's it's tougher now than it was like two months ago, even a month ago, just like the Celtics are kind of getting their legs back under them again. Um, I think things are obviously going to clarify more for the Nets than I honestly would say for the Sixers. Um, Same for the Bucks. You've got like, I wouldn't count out the Hornets. 
you know, I really wouldn't. Um, I guess my urgency at them having to be sixth is not, I don't, I don't have it. Like, don't have it. Yeah. No, but no, I mean, I don't have the urgency of them like needing. So, yeah, like, yeah, my yeah. confidence check is, is not going to be kind of like, yeah, absolutely. They're going to get there. They definitely have a shot, but they have to play consistently. And aside from that stretch, um, that recent stretch of games, we haven't really seen that yet, you know, of the team this season. So, well, I do think they're definitely going to be in playoff contention. Um, I'm not sure. I am not sure that I feel confident saying exactly what spot they will make it to because they, um, they go, uh, they go up and down these guys. <laughs> they do. Uh, they do have, uh, when it comes to strength of schedule, they have the eighth most favorable, but they do have a 10 game stretch. Listen to the, the stretch here. It's in March. They got Cavs, Spurs, Suns, Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers again, 76ers, Bulls, Cavs, Lakers, who knows what they're going to be, but, um, that's a very difficult stretch. And then after outside mm-hmm. of that, it's pretty, it's a lot easier. And some of those games are on the road too. They got a six game road trip in that stretch. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a difficult one. And those are kind of your make or break stretches of your season. Um, so I, I, I find it hard to see them getting in that top six just because of the trade that, that happened because I was a little bit lukewarm on the Nets and 76ers because of their respective issues. But now they've swapped the issues. And now I guess there are no issues apparently, or we'll see. Um, we'll I guess see. You, yeah, you're not, see. you're not sure about James yeah. Harden, um, which I mean, I don't, no. I don't blame you. Um, who knows? He might get bored in, in Philly too. And then now what? Now what's he going to do? Is he going to solve? It's more gonna... just like the duo. It's like the duo of Embiid oh, yeah? and Harden, you know, like, I don't want to, I won't get too far into it, but like when you've promised you've, Maury has promised them both the team. So that will be interesting to see how that clarifies. Cause only one person can be on that team. That is a team that wants a guy. Yeah. They've wanted a guy for a long time. That was like the problem with Ben Simmons, right. And Embiid together. So you've got yourself in a situation where you have two guys again. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with that article that came up from Jake Fisher today. And this, this is an article, you don't know what's true or what's not, but apparently James Harden reportedly was, he didn't like the playing style of the Nets, the Kevin Durant, Steve Nash, they wanted more of a free flowing style. Mike Antoni too, who was the coach of uh, James Harden in Houston. Um, while James, he wanted, you know, ISO ball. He wanted ISO James Harden, everyone kind of work around me. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you have the Godzilla of NBA scorers in league history and Kevin Durant right beside you but you want to do ISO James Harden ball and everyone just kind of work around me. Okay. That's the level of delusion that I, I don't even understand. I don't get it. Um, so to your point, you're right. How is that going to work? I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I could see Joel Embiid taking a step back because I think he has that in his nature to do that. And um, we'll see what happens with James Harden. We'll see how this all breaks down because it's going to be a tricky one, but I think the top eight, I feel like has been solidified. I think those, those eight teams are going to stay there. I mean, that doesn't matter as much um, because of the playing tournament, but what I'm also saying is that those are the teams that are going to end up winning the playing tournament too. So mm-hmm. in some form, you know, I don't think the Hornets or Hawks or Wizards are going to get there. The Nets or the Knicks are an embarrassment to their franchise and to the city, all that. So that's going to stay. They're back but, to being the Knicks, you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have video from earlier on the season. Oh man. <laughs> I forget who made it. I wish I could... Uh, Shout it out, but it was a terrific video. I mean, next fans going going nuts, and 
all that fun stuff. Oh, the NYC Underground now. one. Yeah, that's it. Yes, yeah. that's it. That was <laughs> terrific. A meme that keeps on giving. There's like four or five in there. Mainly the the fellow who's just like, um, yeah. I think all those teams are going to stay. So will the Raptors in that top six? It's hard to see it because um, I just don't see any of those top six teams kind of going away. And by top six, I mean the Nets going in there and probably looks like the Celtics and Raptors are going to be seven and eight. Oh, mm-hmm. fun to get a series like that again, a couple of games. Wouldn't that be fun? That doesn't trigger bad memories. Not at all. Anyways, um, yeah, that's kind of where I feel like it's going to land. I, I want to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the Raptors in a top six spot because it's just a, it's a great show, a great example of their progression this season from where they were to the steps that they've made throughout the season of kind of growing as a team collectively, um, both yeah, as a team, um, individually as players, it would be a great thing for them, but I just don't know if it's going to be, uh, achievable this season because of the depth of the Eastern conference. That's all it is, but yeah, should be a fun season. Um, Katie closing thoughts, anything that comes to mind? Do you want to talk to Marta Rosen? Cause he's been really fun. <laughs> Holy I'm happy for, I'm very happy for DeMar. That's all. I'm really happy for uh, how solid the Bulls seem. They've gone through just as many like difficult stretches of this season as the rest of the Eastern Conference and the league at large, but they've held it together. It's a really cohesive and great group. Um, I just want to put the Jared Allen haters on blast. Uh, He deserves that (laughs) spot. And of course there are optics of yes. Cleveland going into yes. it. Yes. Both things yes. can be true. Both things can be true. <laughs> um, but otherwise, no, that's it. I will just, again, for the Raptors, I will just caution uh, balance, uh, uh, like a realistic approach to the yeah. season. You will have a better time. You will have a better time if you approach it that way. Yes. That is the, probably the best way to look at it is that if you just go in there with tempered expectations, I used that term earlier on the podcast, I think we're back there again because of mm-hmm. some of the trades that have happened and I alluded to them already, alluded to them already. Um, let's just enjoy this ride now because they are, they are at the very least are a team that's going to compete each and every night with the exception of some of these um, stinkers that they have, Falcons um, game being one of them. Those are going to happen, but they're going to compete and they're very fun and they're going to grow. And, you know, next season, I could, I could definitely see this team looking a little bit differently as they address some of the deficiencies that they have on the roster. And I mean, Masai and Bobby, they're very smart. If they wanted to really, you know, figure those out this year, they could have at the deadline, but they decide not to because that's just not the year. And that is your indication of how they're viewing this, this season. So mm-hmm. Katie, thank you so much. You can find her work at WTEVS, which is at whatevs on Twitter. Find me at Amuth underscore man on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.